You're listening to the best of the Martha Zoller Show. You can hear the show live Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN and streaming at accesswdun.com. You can find all things Martha Zoller at marthazoller.com. We are talking now to Congressman Mike Collins, who is one of my favorite people, and I know he loves the fact that there's going to be a bunch of trucks going to the Texas and Arizona border in a convoy to let people know they are supportive from around the country, and he's been working hard on all of these issues. Mike Collins, welcome back to the program. Hey, thank you, Martha, and you're right. Trucks an answer to every issue. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely right. <laughs> Before we get to the border discussion, I know you introduced a bill that was related in some way last week um, called the Razor Bill, right? It's the Razor Act. Razor yeah, Act. That's correct. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, Congress has got uh, what's known as power of the purse. I mean, that's our job. I know I've told you all about it. <clears throat> the appropriations are, are one of the two things that we have to do up here. And uh, that's simply all this is. And instead of funding something, we are taking away their funding to, to do their job as far as cutting razor wire or even removing any barrier from along that southern border. And it's not just Texas, but it's all the southern borders. Um, obviously, I, America knows that we're in a crisis. Uh, we've got people just pouring across, invading our country, and we've got to stop it any way we can. And uh, if, if Mayorkas and his crew and uh, they, uh, are not allowing our Border Patrol to do their job, then uh, Congress needs to step up, step in, and do what we can. And, look, I just get so frustrated, and I know you do too, because, you know, the president is out there. Clearly, he finally sees you know, how poorly he's handled this. He's not going to say that. But what he is saying is, oh, you got to give me the authority. You got to do this. You got to do that. He has the authority. Nothing he needs does. to be changed. The laws he, just need to be enforced. He does. You know, it's it's, it's sad in one respect. Uh, the fact is that uh, he did 180 degrees from Trump on everything, including the border. Now, you know, Donald, President Trump had to go in and put in executive orders to uh, to do things down there at the at the border, which is what we passed in HR two, basically the entire Trump uh, border agenda down there to finish building the wall to make sure that Border Patrol had their their job description right and the money to do their job, remain in Mexico, adjudicate these these cases quickly, fund ICE in order to get these people out of our country, and all of that has been flipped on its head. So yes, Biden. President Biden has the ability and the means right now to stop this. They don't want to do that, though. There is a, an agenda. They they really don't care who or what sees the agenda. Um, it's just a, a full court press to make sure that they they get you know over eight million people in this country right now since the Biden administration. That's more than what's in the state of Georgia, and uh, those are people they want to be voters to make sure that uh, they can continue to push the socialistic agenda that they are pushing in the broad open up here today. And the disrespect they are showing to the American people who they continue to tell us that what we see and what we're living related to the economy, related to the border, related to national security concerns around the world, that we're just, we just don't understand. We're just not smart enough to really see how good things are. And yeah, no, it's disrespectful. Yeah, you're right. It's disrespectful. It, it is. 
you take uh, you take the city of New York, whether it's there them calling on twelve billion dollars that they need um, to house migrants up there, just in that one city, whether they're taking kids out of public school, making them go home so that they can house them there, or whether they're trying to house them on national park land up there, which we went up there and told them that was going to be a disaster anyway, but they didn't listen to that. Um, it's it's in your face, and you don't know what you're talking about, which is the reason it is time to impeach Mayorkas and get rid of him. Well, and I'm sure you've been busy that you didn't see the story where um, some New York City police officers were basically lured into Times Square with a call of a crime and were beaten up by a group of migrants, and the migrants were arrested and then released with no bail. You know, yeah, it's, it, it's, it is, you know, it is just... You know, when we stop enforcing the law, you have anarchy, you know, and that's we're close to that right now. Uh, it is. And, and, and Martha, we've been in a situation since the Biden administration took over of not just disrespect to our law enforcement, but uh, disdain. And, and, and they want to defund them. Um, I mean, I don't know if you saw yesterday Corey Bush up here who the DOJ is investigating now for. Uh, mishandling over seven hundred thousand dollars of her of her campaign money, and in in one respect, she's saying that she needs uh, security, which her husband is a is a huge part of that. Man, this is beginning to sound like Fannie Willis, I know, but uh, yeah. you know she's paying seven hundred thousand dollars to her husband, but yet in the other breath, she's talking about we got to defund and get rid of the police. It's just uh, this this nation was built on a nation of laws, and until we get back to enforcing them. And, and abiding by them, then, uh, man, mob rules. Well, and you remove George Santos for misrepresenting and misusing campaign funds. You know, depending on what happens with this, Cory Bush needs to be removed. You know, if it's yeah. it's if it's good for, you know, one side, it ought to be good for the other. Now, of course, we got the very tragic news a couple of days ago that three soldiers were killed and dozens were wounded in an attack that really needs to be investigated because what I'm told is there was a U.S. drone coming in. And as a result of that, the defenses were down and, a, and an Iranian drone came in under that and, uh, you know, hit a building where uh, a barracks, basically, that where our soldiers were. And the three soldiers that died uh, were based out of Georgia. One was from Carrollton, one was from Waycross, one was from Savannah. You participated in a moment of, of remembrance yesterday that was a, a time of unity for the Georgia delegation as well as uh, many others who joined. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, it was, and uh, it's, it's a solemn moment. Um, you know, we have people, 1% of the United States of America is made up of people that are willing to, that feel that calling to go out there and serve whether it's in our regular armed forces and our reserves or in our national guard. And uh, they're willing to put their life at risk every day so that we can remain free, you know, and so that our kids grow up to be free. You know, Martha, I was Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, participating in a farewell ceremony uh, to send off over 300 of our national guard troops from middle Georgia around the world to, uh, to carry out missions and uh, I'll tell you one thing. I, I've been up and met with General Cardin, and uh, I've actually taken the physical assessment test. So I know what they go through for training. I know that they have the tools to do their mission. But the, there's so many times that the missions are unclear, and there's so many times that the Biden administration has put us into predicaments around the world that we shouldn't be in. 
I mean, you know, you you all have to think back to the last administration and what peace through strength meant. And that was that we let our enemies know exactly where we stood, exactly what we would do if they did anything against us. And by God, there was a couple of times we made sure that they understood the hard way. And I refer to Soleimani when I talk about that. You know, we have gone from allowing Iran to produce around 400,000 barrels a day of oil to where now they're, they're producing over 3 million barrels a day because we went from energy independence to buying oil from our enemies. We're funding this stuff. Iran is sitting over there passing out cash left and right to these thug terrorist groups around the world, and they're out there sending these drones, buying these drones, setting up these missile attacks on the United States of American uh, personnel out there, our military. And this type of stuff's got to stop. Well, and what concerns me is that uh, I always said from the beginning that we could work through whatever Joe Biden does domestically. I mean, we're America. We can work through these things. I always was concerned about his national security because he hasn't done the right thing on national security since 1975. And he's always on the wrong side. And we've seen this continue to happen. And they knew what they were dealing with. They didn't have to figure out Joe Biden. They've been dealing with him for 50 years. So I'm very concerned about... I know that if if we want to win an election in November, we don't want the Democrats to get any wins between now and then. But but I'm concerned about our national security between now and then. And how are we going to make sure that people work together to do what's best for America in this in-between time? I don't worry about tomorrow. You know, I'm not worried about six months down the road, Uh, especially, you know, I mean, if you want to look at that, this administration... Uh, six months down the road, this thing could be considerably worse. What we need to do right now is make sure that we do the right thing every day, no matter what that is. Uh, impeaching Marcus right now, do the right thing. That uh, HR2 should have been taken up over in the Senate. They, they haven't taken that up. They're not going to. You know, what they send across over here is, is a piece of junk. Um, I, I haven't even seen it yet. I know our speaker's calling it dead on arrival. But I'm not worried about holding off on anything until the election. I'm not going to do that. Um, you're right. There's so many different fronts, Martha, whether it's people's personal pocketbooks with inflation or gas or, or food, or whether it's uh, Biden trying to have an invasion on the southern border to, to, to make sure that they infiltrate us with more voters for the Democrats, or whether it's the people around the world that want to kill us. Uh, we've got plenty of fronts to be fighting on. We need to fight on them every day, all day. Absolutely. Mike, um, what's upcoming for you, and how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to get some help or need to tell you something? Listen, they can always get in touch with us. Our local office is in Monroe, Georgia. Uh, you can look us up. Uh, you, you can follow me at Mike at Rep. Mike Collins, and uh, you can get in touch with us that way. It's where North Georgia comes to talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Welcome back to the Martha Zoller Show. And right now we are talking to Senator John Ossoff, who had a very busy day yesterday. Thank you so much, Senator, for being with us today. Martha, good morning. Pleasure to speak with you. Good morning. First of all, let's just talk about the hearing yesterday. Of course, you know, just a little background. I gave up. Facebook and Instagram at the beginning of the year, and I'm just doing uh, Twitter for work, and uh, I just felt like it was too much of a time user, and I also have young grandchildren 
that are getting more interested in this kind of stuff. So this is an issue that means a lot to me. Tell us a little bit about the hearing and what you think came out of that. We had the major tech CEOs before the Judiciary Committee. Uh, The focus was on children's safety. And as you know, I've been focused on children's safety online uh, since I got elected. I've introduced the Fentanyl Trafficking Prevention Act, which would empower the Attorney General to go after social media companies that uh, recklessly enable drug trafficking on their platforms. Uh, The Preventing Child Sex Abuse Act, which as a bipartisan bill I wrote with Senator Grassley, passed Congress and was signed by the president, uh, which would help federal prosecutors to go after online predators. Uh, and one of the subjects of yesterday's hearing with the tech CEOs, Zuckerberg and others, was my legislation with a Republican Senator Blackburn of Tennessee, the Report Act. And this would strengthen the reporting requirements. Now follow me on this one. Strengthen the reporting requirements for social media companies to NICMIC, which is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, where social media companies have evidence of child sex abuse content or child pornography on their platforms. We need to pass that legislation. And in fact, we've passed it through the Senate. We need to get it now through the House. And one of the things you heard yesterday was senators asking those tech CEOs for their commitment on the record under oath to support my bill with Senator Blackburn, the Report Act. And it was hard to get them to commit to that, right? I mean, they didn't seem to want to commit to anything. They were evasive, and and, uh, evasive not just on that specific legislation, but on just establishing some of the facts that everyone understands. I mean, you know, I pressed uh, Mark Zuckerberg pretty hard on, A, getting him to acknowledge that his goal is to get more teenagers to use his products more. And just getting him to admit that, which he eventually did, uh, was was a challenge. But obviously that's his goal. He wants more kids to use his product so that they can make more money and so that they have lifelong customers who start at 13, 14, 15 years old or even younger on Instagram and on Facebook. And then getting him to acknowledge that the platform is dangerous. It's a place where... Predators lurk and target children where folks selling drugs target children, where children are exposed to all kinds of objectionable content. Uh, And just getting him to acknowledge those things was tough. It was disappointing that they didn't come ready to be candid and forthright about the fact that they're not doing enough to protect kids online. But we in Congress have an obligation to do our part, and passing my bipartisan bill, the Report Act, is part of that. Well, you know, Bill Gates, when his children were young, he was very vocal about the fact he didn't allow his children to have the kind of devices that he was actually making a lot of money off of. And Mark Zuckerberg's oldest child is 11 years old. I'm, I guarantee you he's got very serious rules in his household about social media. Um, and I think that what we've got to do is work together on this. And I really hope that the leadership, because it does feel to me like whether when McConnell was the leader or now that Chuck Schumer is the leader, that there's so much money involved with their super PACs for their election side that they don't want to push back on this. And it seemed to me yesterday there was bipartisan support on this legislation, uh, not only your legislation, but some of the other bills that were talked about. There was strong bipartisan support. And, you know, it's because the country is rightfully up in arms about this. I mean, I don't let my two-year-old daughter anywhere near a screen. 
I don't I don't want her to begin to be exposed to the kind of predatory uh, software apps content that is meant to suck in children's attention and addict them to the quick hit associated with using social media. You know, the stuff is addictive and it has a huge negative impact on mental health. And by the way, I had I had trouble even getting Zuckerberg to acknowledge that. Finally, I think I got him to. But just the, the fact that he denies that this stuff has a negative impact on, on mental health, every parent in America knows that. Every parent in Georgia knows that. But again, their incentive is to hook kids on these products uh, and get kids to spend as much time online as they can. So that's why we need this continued bipartisan effort to pass smart legislation, responsible legislation, well-considered legislation that will protect kids online. You know, every time we get together, we talk about the border, and you've been a very strong supporter of a secure border and have talked about that at length. Um, It seems like we're kind of at an impasse. I mean, President Obama and President Trump had much better enforcement of the border using basically the same laws that are in place. I'm not saying we don't need to improve what we've done, but we have a history of at least two presidents beforehand that did a much better job than this administration has done with basically the same laws in place. What do we need to do? We need legislation. And when Title 42 expired with the end of the public health emergency, that made the need for legislation even more critical. And we've needed legislation for 15 or 20 years, and we've known that we need border security legislation for 15 or 20 years. And here we have, Martha, the most promising ongoing bipartisan attempt to craft a strong border security measure in literally decades. Now, look, what I do day in and day out is try to move the ball down the field. Uh, Yesterday, I helped to pass through the Homeland Security Committee the Checkpoint Act to strengthen checkpoint operations along the southern border. Uh, We passed through the Homeland Security Committee recently the Securing America's Ports of Entry Act to add hundreds of new Border Patrol officers. But to get the big legislation done that, again, we've known for, you know, we've known across administrations, across Congresses, Democrats in charge, Republicans in charge, that we need to get done. It takes the kind of focused effort that's happening right now in the Senate. And the truth of the matter, Martha, because he said it out loud, is that former President Trump doesn't want this effort to succeed because he would rather wield the border as a political issue than support a bipartisan victory now. Now, I'm going to withhold my judgment on this legislation until I see it in full. But we absolutely need this effort. We need a bipartisan border security bill. We are closer now than we have been in decades. And I think that for the former president, and, and he's, he's not hiding this. He's saying it in public to say, I don't want Congress to pass a border security law because I would rather have this as an election issue is deeply irresponsible. And you know what? I don't disagree with you about that. And I will help you again once I've seen the bill. I will help you with that any way that I can. But will you also accept the fact that at least the two previous administrations did a better job using the laws that were on the books than this administration has done? The crisis at the southern border is worse than it has ever been. And my concern about 
the level of national security threat associated with that crisis is higher than it's ever been. And that's why we need this bipartisan, for again, reserving judgment on the legislation until I see it in full. And it's important I make that clear. What I strongly support is the bipartisan effort that's ongoing to craft a bill that can pass Congress. And what we don't need is folks trying to undermine that effort for political reasons when for decades we've known we need to get something big done. Absolutely. Senator Ossoff, we're both up against a tight timeline, and we appreciate you being with us and always being available. We want to get you in here uh, in Gainesville for an extended interview soon. I'd love to. Uh, thanks to all of the veterans and service members tuned in. If I can help you, it's ossoff.senate.gov. Thank you, Martha. God bless. Putting the talk in news talk. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. Joining me right now is uh, former mayor of Shiloh, uh, Israel, David Rubin. Uh, and uh, David, I appreciate you being with me on the program today. And we, we booked you to talk about this uh, UN problem in Gaza. But of course, since we did this booking, we had the attack on the uh, the U.S. military installation where three soldiers died who all happened to be from Georgia. Uh, so we've got a lot going on uh, with this this problem with terrorism and and Iranian offshoots and then Iran trying to poke us. I mean, it's a mess out there, and I appreciate you being with us today. Well, you're welcome. Um, Martha, it is all connected. Uh, so, uh, and so whether, whether it's Jordan or, or, or Gaza or the UN, it's all connected. You know, it is absolutely. And just first of all, let's start with the UN RWA. Tell people what that is and your thoughts on these allegations that we have seen now where they were one involved in the October 7th attacks. They have continued to it looks like, interfere with the hostage situations, and they actually are terrorist sympathizers. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, first of all, the, the UN, uh, it's, it's, it's a, called a relief welfare uh, agency, and it's heavily funded by the UN. It receives billions of dollars every year, and and you're you're talking about an organization, you know, commonly known as UNRWA, it's it's based in Gaza and Judea and Samaria, which is the the central mountainous area of Israel that's called the West Bank. And it's all staffed by supporters of the Hamas terrorist organization. Uh, it, it heavily, heavily uh, staffed by supporters of the Hamas terrorist organization. And 12 of those individuals in Gaza who are regular staffers were found to be involved. And I, I don't mean just involved in supporting things from behind or even with funding. They were physically involved in carrying out the massacre of Jews on October 7th. Uh, they, they they went into communities uh, in in Israel in uh, civilian areas. Uh, they were involved in beheadings and rapes of women and 
you know, the most awful, awful things, and, and then the taking of hostages into Gaza. There are currently still about 150 hostages in Gaza, Israeli hostages. So uh, you, you have to understand the magnitude of this. The U.N. is an accomplice in terrorism, period. We're talking to David Rubin. He's the former mayor of Shiloh, Israel. He's also the founder of the Shiloh, Israel Children's Fund, and we'll be talking about that in just a moment. Um, I've always said about President Biden that he was a known entity. He's been around forever. Um, I didn't worry so much about his domestic policy, which I disagree with, but we're America. We can work out of domestic issues that we have. I've always worried the most about his foreign policy because he's been pretty much on the wrong side of every issue from the time he got into the United States Senate. So in the hope that he actually will do some of the right things in the next few months, what should he be doing right now? Well, as as far as his policy in the Middle East, he should be basically backing off and letting Israel do what it needs to do. You know, we, the, the massacre in which 1,200 people were slaughtered on, on October 7th was horrific. Uh, and and it, it started this war. And now Israel finally sees that, well, as horrible as it was, it's actually an opportunity for Israel to finally get rid of these terrorist organizations that have been ravaging Israel for years and have been ravaging the free world for years. So, uh, the, you know, 9-11 didn't happen in a vacuum. Okay, 9-11 was part of uh, this, this uh, radical Islam. And 10-7 now is a is a, another event that they can add to their the feathers in their caps, so to speak. So this needs to be stopped, and the, the, so the the only way to stop it is by making war against the Hamas terrorist organization in the south of Israel and the Hezbollah terrorist organization in Lebanon. Now you have to understand that both of those terrorist organizations are just arms. And the head of the the head of the uh, octopus, so to speak, is Iran, and Iran is funding and directing everything. And of course, they're also trying to build a nuclear bomb. So uh, this is a threat to the entire free world. Yes, Israel is the front lines in the battle against radical Islam, uh, but the United States is is next after if we don't do something to stop it. Yeah, I mean, they always say, right, death to Israel, death to America. I mean, it's, yep. you know, well, All you have to do that, is listen to them. Yes. They say what they're going to do, right? They say what they mean. Yes, they do. And, Martha, thank you for mentioning uh, the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund. And we, uh, so the, it's important for people to know, I know there are a lot of friends of Israel out there, people who really believe that Israel is on the right side of, of the, the good and evil that's, that's happening in the world right now and, and wants to stand with us. So we have, from this war and from the terrorism of the past 25 years, we have had so much 
trauma, basically a national trauma, and the children have, have been horribly affected by it. So the Shiloh Israel Children's Fund was founded after my three-year-old son and I were wounded in a terror attack 20 years ago. And since then, we built up, uh, we built up a, a massive operation. We have thousands of children being treated for the trauma of terrorism. So I, I'd like to encourage people to find out more about what we do. We use art therapy, music therapy, animals, horseback riding therapy, and so on. And people can go to our website, which is israelchildren.org. Uh, to get more information and possibly partner with us, israelchildren.org. Well, Mayor Rubin, it is always so great to talk to you. I'm so glad that we had this opportunity. Later on in the week, we are going to be talking to Jenny Savidia that uh, was one of the, the survivors of the Nova Music Festival, and she's going to be telling us her story. Uh, and we have tried to get the correct information out to people so that they can make, you know, the best decisions. Um, please tell folks again your website so that they can, if they want to be involved in in the Children's Fund, they can. Yes, and we are treating the victims of that massacre as well uh, because uh, they, they, many of them have been evacuated to the center of the country. So, uh, so we have been treating them directly, giving them whole family therapy and, and partial family therapy and group therapies for the children. Uh, their website is israelchildren.org, israelchildren.org. We appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Martha. It's local radio, and that's why you're listening. It's the Martha Zoller Show on AM 550 and FM 102.9 WDUN. So it's been a big week uh, under the Gold Dome uh, where uh, the the anti-Semitism bill, House Bill 30, was passed and signed into law. Uh, but also there was a big vote in the Georgia Senate yesterday. And Senator Clint Dixon is here with me today. And Clint, I, I, I thank you so much for being with us today on this uh, because this sports betting bill is something that's been around a lot of different sessions. It's one of those, you know, people are saying, well, I believe it when I can see it and there was some work that was done to the bill on the floor as always so why don't you give us just an update of what passed out of the senate and then what you are you know what you are looking to have happen next week in the house or whenever they bring it up man thank you so much for having me on the show martha grateful to be with you today uh yes so it was a it was a very uh heavily debated bill uh yesterday on the floor and you know the the bill that was that was brought to the floor before the amendment uh, that was added to it. Essentially, all the the funding went to Hope um, or went to the lottery and would be used on Hope, the Zell Miller Scholarship, and then also pre K funding, uh, which is is very much needed here in the state of Georgia. Uh, so no constitutional amendment, in my opinion, uh, was not needed uh, for the bill. But then you know also some of the measures in there. I mean, and that's what I tell a lot of folks is. Unfortunately, this is already happening. Sports betting is happening, uh, you know, quite frequently. Uh, a lot of people are doing it here in the state, but they're doing it illegally. Uh, and you've got, you know, neighboring states that, that have legalized it, but a lot of the illegal betting is being done overseas. So you don't have the uh, regulations. You don't have the backstop, uh, you know, dealing with problem gaming. And this bill, you know, covers all that and would help, uh, you know, protect Georgians 
uh, you know, if, if it is signed into law, and then we're just missing out on, on that revenue. But kind of the, you know, the crux of the bill, you know, it is allowed to have 16, uh, or it would allow 16 licenses. Uh, seven would be untethered uh, where, you know, they could go through the procurement process with the Georgia Lottery who has governance over and oversight over the uh, the sports betting, and they could apply for that. It's a $100,000 application fee, and then the annual fee would be a million-dollar license fee annually. Uh, that would be paid to the Georgia Lottery. They would actually also uh, go to Hope um, and to Pre-K and to Education. And the estimated revenues after the first couple of years of it being open would be over uh, $100 million a year annually uh, to the lottery. And then the other uh, eight licenses, one license would go to the Georgia Lottery, and then eight licenses would go, five would go to our professional sports teams uh, here in Georgia, and then also three licenses, one would go to the PGA Tour one would go to the Augusta National, and one would go to uh, NASCAR. And that was kind of, you know, kind of the crux of the bill. What happened on the floor, there were a couple of amendments thrown. One was defeated, but the one that did get, uh, that was successful, uh, was to create uh, a constitutional amendment of CA, uh, which will have to come back to us, would have to be voted in both chambers with a two-thirds majority uh, to get it to pass, um, which makes it much more difficult uh, to get uh, that legislation across the finish line. It is a bipartisan bill, worked uh, very hard with, with both parties. Uh, the Democrats came forward uh, with a uh, with a committee sub that actually increased the uh, tax to the lottery uh, from 15 to 20 percent, That also, um, which was already codified um, in the Georgia lotteries, um, that, that you have to, um, as far as do, uh, you know, incentivizing uh, minority-owned businesses, and then um, also no betting on the Special Olympics, which I welcome those bad amendments, uh, which was added to the bill as well. But in my opinion, there's no need for the, the constitutional amendment. But as you know, uh, we've got to go through the House chamber. And, uh, you know, measures like this, you know, a lot of times end up in a conference committee. So we're a long ways from uh, the finish line on this one. Absolutely. And I do appreciate um, your work on this because I know you're very conservative, Senator Dixon. I would say you're probably a Christian conservative, right? And a oh, lot yes, of these ma'am. groups, a lot of these groups that are opposing this fall into that. So how are you navigating, you know, those alliances um, in your support on this bill? Because that's the big question I get from a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. And, and I went to those groups. Uh, before the bill was ever ever dropped, when it was being drafted, and kind of had an outline of the bill, and went and sat down with them individually and, and let them know uh, that I, I was going planning on carrying the bill and why. And you know, the crux of it is, is you know, as our state continues to grow, and and, and you know this probably better than I do, uh, Martha. But uh, you know, pre K, we need more funding for pre K. We need more classrooms created for pre K. Uh, the hope. And the Zell Miller, as our state continues to grow and more Georgians go to college, we're going to need to have additional funds uh, going, uh, you know, to to those scholarships. And this would be one way to do it. And it's already happening here in the state of Georgia. It's just illegal. There's no regulations. There's no backstops for problem gaming. Uh, you know, in the bill, it's got self-limiting, and, and I could go through several measures there. But uh, you know, this would actually, you know, bring this into the light. Uh, it would regulate it, and it would protect Georgians that. And, you know, unfortunately, already doing it illegally. And I went through that with those, and most of, of, of those uh, meetings went really well. They understood it. Uh, some of them still opposed it, but respected me coming to them, you know, early on. Yeah, and that to the point, we have a text message at 770 535 2911. And this guy really kind of 
uh, says what I think about this in a lot of ways. And it says, I have mixed emotions about full-blown sports betting in Georgia, but I'm 65 years old. And if I want to spend five or ten bucks and bet on a game and watch it a little closer or play a $20 parlay at work, I ought to be able to do that without being a criminal. So, I mean, I kind of relate to that statement, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, so, Shondell Summer is... Shondell Summers with us here today, and she's got a question for you, Senator Dixon. Senator Dixon, okay. um, good morning. I was just wondering how you answer the um, critics who would say that gambling in general disproportionately affects lower-income persons um, as opposed to higher-income persons who do it for recreational purposes. Yeah, I would say, you know, um, you know, not, not to say that, that that statement, you know, is is – untrue you know you've got folks that that can afford it and you got folks that that can't afford it um you know it, it, the issue is is uh, you know in, in a lot of industries uh, you know you know if you can't afford you know to to do something uh, you shouldn't do it but uh, you know folks that that are doing it i, I don't see where it, it targets them at all um uh disproportionately I, 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 but legalizing it would bring it into light you know as i said earlier uh, would be able to regulate it, you know, in the bill. Couldn't use credit cards. It would all have to be debit cards or mobile um, type of wire transfers uh, to fund the accounts. There's geofencing that would be set up to make sure that, that the folks are in Georgia, that are playing in Georgia. Like I said, and then we've got a lot of backstops, uh, several measures uh, that would help folks with problem gaming. We don't have that now. So I think that we would be able to help protect Georgians uh, by legalizing it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I'm not sure how well, and this is something I personally need to dig into, because I know one of the parts, whether you're talking about the lottery, sports betting, or any of the other bills that have come up over the years, is that's one of the big things, is how do you deal with the people that have problems with it? And I know the Georgia Lottery has a very aggressive program where there's help available, but I think like any addiction, Clint, you know, it's really hard to get people to get the help, and I don't know how you work around that, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I don't disagree with that. I mean, I know, I know there is addictions and alcohol, which is legal, and, and several other things that, right? Um, you know, it, but like I said, I, you know, overall, and, and talking to you know the faith community as well. I mean, they know, like you said earlier, I'm very conservative. I've carried several measures, you know, on on pro life, um, you know, and also anti human trafficking. So I'm, uh, you know. When you're in the legislature and, and you're having to, um, you know, look at look at different measures, you know, they're not always, you know, black and white that we're having to deal with, good and bad. Um, and I would say, you know, this uh, dealing with sports betting, you know, falls into that area. But I think that us making it, it legal, having <clears throat> having it regulated and dealing with problem gaming, not that it, that's going to take care of everything, then also the revenue uh, that, that we're missing because of the illegal gaming that would go to, Education and me being, you know, chairman of education, I see the need that we'll have in the future. Um, I think the good outweighs the bad by legalizing it. To hear the full versions of last week's Martha Zoller shows, go to the podcast page at accesswdun.com and you can follow me on social media at Martha Zoller.